I V M. There is a selection process, and we do have to leave out certain stories. We sort of create a basket of stories. So, first, a few rules that we follow. We don't go too long into the past. We, the general rule that we follow is it needs to be something post Cargill War. So, something in the last twenty years, and that's the upper limit. We prefer something in the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years is like the is the general period that we cover because we believe that the stories that we want to tell, you know, should be sort of appealing to the current generation in terms of the circumstances, the tech. Technology used, the thing, in the communication strategies, etc. Hello and welcome to the Filter Coffee Podcast. My guest today, Shiv Arur, is among India's most respected journalists as an editor and anchor for India Today. While we've all seen him as a primetime news journalist, she has also become the most authoritative voice when it comes to defense in the last decade or so. It's common knowledge that tracking defense as a journalistic beat is one of the most challenging. But Shiv's approach to this seems not just a journalistic pursuit, but one of deep passion. He is what I would call as a defense nerd. In fact, his blog, Live Fist, is highly awarded and one of the best sources of information and opinion on the topic. Shiv, along with Rahul Singh, co-wrote India's Most Fearless, a collection of true stories on modern military heroes in 2017. It is a book that recently also became a very famous web series called Avroth, The Siege Within, which you can catch on Sony Live. The third edition of the series was released just a few weeks back. The book is a very unique rendition of stories of valor, not just from the field of battle, but also from various other places where the Army, Navy and the Air Force have been deployed in the country. Part 3 includes a range of stories, from that of an Army medic who went way beyond his call of duty during the Galwan Valley clash with China, to those who put their lives at stake to rescue hundreds from Cyclone Tokte in the Arabian Sea and many more. I spoke to Shiv about the books, his passion for defence, why he feels the need to tell these stories at a very personal level and the process of researching for each of them. Stay with us. We'll be right back on the Filter Coffee Podcast. Welcome to the Filter Coffee Podcast. Shiv, how are you doing and where are you talking to us from? Good to see you, Karthik. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm here from Delhi. Excellent. You were in a bit of a hurry and you said a lot of things going on in the office. I hope it's a slow news day or is it not? It's never a slow news day, unfortunately. <laughs> and I've just gotten out of my daily 5pm show. It's an hour-long show, so I'm just running yeah. up the stairs. So that's why I'm a little out of breath, but I had to keep time. So sorry I'm late, but yeah, there's no slow news day. In this part Not of the at world, all. at least. <laughs> Not at all. You know, like, like we were talking, you know, before the recording, uh, I'm a huge fan of the series. Yes, most fearless. There's a lot of questions I've been meaning to ask you about it. Some about the book and mostly about, you know, your motivation to write this. But I thought I should start probably much earlier in your career, in your journey and, mm-hmm. and ask you what sort of drew towards it. So, you know, you are the great grandson of a, of a very popular Kannada poet and scholar, Sri Panjai Mankesh. So your success as an author and storyteller is quite explainable. But tell us about your, your fascination for all things defense and how the journey began for you. That's a story we don't know. Yeah. Well, Karthik, actually, you know, my uh, my journey with defense started quite inadvertently, actually. It wasn't something that I was uh, aiming at. Uh, you know, growing up, 
I didn't have much exposure to the military because, you know, I grew up in Chennai. That's where I was born and brought up. And, uh, you know, as most people know, there's not much exposure to the military in that part of the world, you know, because there are less cantonments, less, you know, units around those areas and stuff. So right. there's not much of a, you know, sort of military surrounding as such, even though, of course, Chennai does have a cantonment, etc. But not much of a exposure in that sense to defense. So my uh, sort of uh, plunge into defense happened uh, entirely by chance and not at all of my choosing. Looking back on it, it was a stroke of luck, actually, because uh, it was in 2004 when I'd started off my career a few years before that as a financial business journalist. Very difficult to believe looking back now that I started off covering the corporate sector and stock markets and things like that. And I knew pretty soon that this is not at all what I want to do. And so I basically applied for a job at the Indian Express as a political reporter. Because, you know, like any journalist, you know, sort of entering the profession with stars in your eyes and, you know, that whole, I want to change things, etc. Uh, you know, the first sort of thing you want to do is politics. You know, politics is the lifeblood of the country and things like that. So as it turned out, Karthik, the Indian Express didn't have a vacancy for a political reporter, but for some reason they wanted to hire me anyway. So the editor at that time, who continues to be, a you know, one of my earliest mentors is Shekhar Gupta, who was the editor at that time. And he said, look, we don't have a political reporter vacancy, but we recently, uh, our defense correspondent recently left us. So that post is free if you want it. And I thought he was joking. I said, I said, are you serious? You know, I'm like 22 years old. Are you sure you want to put me into something like defense, which is like a, you know, complicated, nuanced sort of beat, which requires years of experience and, you know, seriousness to get into? Are you sure you want to risk putting someone like me into it? And he said, well, normally I wouldn't, but I do want a fresh set of eyes and I'm willing to do something like this. So I was literally thrown into the deep end. Wow. I didn't ask to cover defense. I wanted to actually just you know, be a political reporter, but 2004, it all began and there's been no looking back, you know, because defense, as most people, you know, who are either involved in defense or cover defense will tell you, it's like a, it's like a black hole in a good way. It just completely devours you. It takes over your life because it's a subject with such huge demands on your time and brain power and, you know, investment in your emotions, etc. And you find yourself sort of transformed completely you know you're always thinking about defense you're thinking about the people in defense you're thinking about how you're going to get that next big story because it's notoriously difficult to get stories in defense especially at that time and this was a an era in the early days of the internet Karthik no smartphones you know keeping in touch with people was a absolute nightmare email was like the sort of thing to use at that time it was difficult but yeah that was the starting point as far as defense was concerned Amazing. sorry i have to ask because uh, i didn't take you for a, for a chennai boy i am one which part of town did you grow up in? When I was born, my parents lived in Egmore, in a place called Victoria Crescent, right, right. behind Etiraj College, which is a landmark. Then we moved oh, for to, multiple reasons. Moved just a few kilometers away up on same Etiraj Saleh, which at that time used to be called Commander in Chief Road, which is strange because Commander in Chief is like a defense <laughs> yeah. term. So that would be my closest. I, I, you know, looking back on it, I kept thinking, you know, which Commander in Chief was this? You know, there was no Commander in Chief in Chennai, so I never quite knew which Commander in Chief they were talking about. Probably. Some some British Raj thing. So anyway, so grew up there. And uh, when I finally left Chennai, when I was uh, after finishing school and everything, we lived in Kilpok, in Puramali High Road. Oh, wonderful. Not, not yeah. very far, but yeah, of course, clearly, so, early, early signs were there. Yeah. Karthik, even though I've spent many more years in Delhi than I have in Chennai, Chennai is still home for me. I still consider it my city. I, I was there just a few weeks ago to give a lecture at Madras Christian College, and that's still my place. That's my city. Wonderful. Beautiful. Next time you're there, we, we, we need to catch up in, in person. Yeah, yeah. You're also, you know, besides just 
and, and I'll talk to you about uh, defense as a beat just shortly. Uh, there's also this extraordinary blog slash website that you've been curating now, what, like more than a decade now? Yeah, since 2007, actually. Wow. Yeah. You're talking about Life Fist, right? Life Fist, yes. Yeah. yes. Sorry, you can finish your question, then I'll answer you. No, I was going to ask you. It's just, you know, so sometime back I was searching for something else and then I, I landed yeah. on it. I did not know that that's something that curating. And yeah. I, I want to talk to you about uh, that journey and then also that name, that URL. Yeah. What does it stand for? Okay, okay. Yeah. The best part about that name is I keep getting uh, messages from people on the uh, social media handle saying, you know, why did you choose this name? This sounds like a porn site. <laughs> and, you know, the, the, the name Life is keeps getting bounced by university servers and, you know, safety protocols and stuff. You know, something that sounds like Life is tends to get, like, banned and stuff. And this has actually happened. I've had people send me those error messages and saying, this site looks suspicious because of the name, so we won't allow you to view it, etc. Right. But I kind of stuck to it because I wish there was a more interesting story about the name, but there actually isn't. When I was in uh, university in the UK... I, you know, at that time when you're very politically charged up and you've got, you know, communist views and, you know, all of us go through that. And at that time, I was uh, very taken with the symbol of the fist, which is a very visible symbol of communism and resistance and things like that. Yeah. And I come up with a political cartoon series. I used to be a political cartoonist very briefly, totally amateur, not professional at all just for myself and my friends and I had a little website and I called it Life Fist. Even though it had nothing to do with communism, it was basically stuff about 9-11 and terrorism and things like that and democracy and things like that. Well, obviously the political cartoon career never really took off, but as my journalism career moved forward, that name kind of stuck with me. I really loved the name Life Fist. It really resonated with me and uh, when I started this website, this blog at that time, when I was looking for a name and I just thought, why don't I just use that same name? I mean, it's defense. It's about war. It's about all these terrible things. And, you know, just the word life is kind of sort of resonates with that kind of domain as well. So I just went with it. And I have the idea that it's a name that's kind of, you know, people tend to ask why that name, you know, I just like the fact that it's not an obvious name to have. So that kind of appealed to me as well. So that's how it stuck. Yeah, but, you know, if it helps when I was thinking why this name, you know, the symbol did come to my mind first. Yeah, so, so yeah. It does, it in does, fact, uh, in fact, the, one of the first banner logos we had was like a fist. It wasn't the red fist, but we painted it yellow. But yeah, lots of our viewers said, listen, that's like a communist symbol. Why are you using a communist symbol for a, you know, a website about weapons and defense and stuff? So I said, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm keeping the name. I'm not going to change the name. But yeah, I think we'll drop that logo. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you, you stuck to it. It has a, yeah. has a very, very unique story to it. You know, coming to the book, Shiv, I want to say accidentally... Not accidentally. I, I wasn't looking for that particular book and I picked it up, the first one, I think in an airport, if I'm not wrong, mm -hmm. many years back. And I instantly, you know, fell in love with the way, you know, you, you had narrated it. And I think it has only gotten better in edition three without going too much into the stories that the book holds, which is for people to read and then experience in that way. What was your motivation? Now you're probably a full-fledged defense reporter why the book and why this journey? Well, so, you know, you're right, Karthik, when you say that, I've, you know, I've been in this whole defense space for, it started in 2004, so 18 years, you know, I've been doing it for a really, right. really long time. And pretty much most of my career, because my career had just begun two years before that. So a 20-year career, 18 years has been steeped in defense. And one of the privileges of defense has been being exposed firsthand to, you know, the actual men and women who are in operations, you know, who are in counter-terror operations, humanitarian operations, UN peacekeeping operations, actual fights, you know, conflict, war, the LOC, the LC, Ladakh, things like that. And it had always kind of occurred to me that, you know, 
every single year on Independence Day, Republic Day, there are these gallantry medals that are given out. And there are right. these very short sort of terse press releases that come out in a pretty vanilla way, sort of describing why those people have been given those awards. And those get published in various small, small you know, snippets and articles, maybe they have small appearances on TV. And so it always occurred to me that, you know, these must be fabulous stories if someone went into a, a little bit more detail. I mean, if this person has, uh, you know, been worthy of a medal, it must be a story worth hearing, you know, in a big way. So on one particular occasion in 2017, Republic Day, I, I just happened to see this one snippet. I mean, and you can imagine, Karthik, these stories are coming twice a year in large numbers. So there are lots of these stories of bravery and you know, gallantry and daring and things like that. There was this one story of this young pilot, Indian Air Force pilot, guy in his 20s, who's MiG-29, the canopy blew off mid-flight. This is from the first book. And he was going supersonic, very, very scary. He was injured because of the shattering glass and stuff. And instead of ejecting, he sort of just kept his wits together, used all his, you know, training and strength and courage and he managed to actually land that plane. And there was something about that story that really sort of reached out to me. I was like, wow, you know, what was I doing in my 20s? You know, just like messing around. And here's this guy landing a plane. He could have easily ejected. Nobody would have blamed him for it. And he managed to land this plane. What an amazing story. So I called up the Air Force and said, look, you know, I don't want your press release. I want to talk to this guy. I want to do a deeper story. And thankfully, the Air Force was, yeah, so it was weird that nobody had reached out to the Air Force and said, I want to tell this story in greater detail. So they were like, sure, absolutely. Here's his number. I will have a word with him. Please call him whenever you want and have a, you know, go for it. So I called him. He was in Jodhpur at that time. And I got the whole story. And I did a story on Life Fist. In fact, I did a, did a blog post, a long, long, I think a 4,000 word blog post on it. And that kind of exploded. It went, you know, viral has many definitions, but it, that story did really, really well. It was shared and it was followed up and it was all over the place. It was the talk of the town, it was trending on Twitter, you know, that kind of thing. And when that happened, so a very close friend of mine in the Hindustan Times, Rahul Singh, he called me to sort of say, you know, great work and this, that, the other. So I said, yeah, I've decided I'm going to do these stories like regularly now on Life Fist. And he said, instead of doing them on Life Fist, why don't we do them as a book? You know, I'll help you. I'll come in with you. We'll decide the stories because it's too much work for one person. Let's go for it. You know, if the Air Force, and clearly your post has demonstrated that these stories are, can be hugely popular. They'll have a wide view, a readership, and people are interested in these stories. This has been the, you know, the proof of concept as it were. So we were very excited. And Karthik just like, I think three months later or two months later, we had a book deal with Penguin. It moved really, really fast. And Penguin had obviously already seen that story going viral online and stuff. So they were like, yeah, absolutely. Let's do this. So they signed us up and I think just a few short months later, we had the, the book was out and things kind of snowballed really, really fast Karthik, after that because we went back to the military after that and said, this story's done really well. Now we're doing a book. Let's make this really big. And this is just, remember, this is just a few months after the Uri surgical strikes. So when we went, you know, with a very small voice, we thought, you know, do you think we can also do a chapter about the surgical strike? We were certain. We were like 100% sure that the army is going to say, are you crazy? No way, man. That is secret stuff. That's never going to happen. But but to their credit, and uh, General Bipin Rabat was in office at that time. And he said, uh, his exact, uh, his, when we asked him this, you know, can we do the surgical strikes chapter? Exact words, were, why not? He just said, why not? You put wow. in a request. Let's see. Let's put it through the process. Let it go through all the layers of, you know, checks and all that. So why not? We should tell the story. So yeah. <laughs> cut forward a few months and the book was out with an incredible first-hand chapter with the major who led the 
the transporter strikes. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was crazy. That's really how it began. Yeah. Major Rawat is interesting, right? I think your, uh, your third, this is the third edition of this series. And I think, yeah. right, if I'm not wrong, you start with an acknowledgement to him saying that he was very keen for the book to come out. Uh, you keep saying that he was constantly following up with you saying, when is it coming out? And of yeah, course, yeah. Uh, he wouldn't be there to... We actually, you know, met him. We met him uh, about four days before his, uh, before the helicopter crash in which he passed away. Four days before that, where he said, uh, guys, where's the book? Where's the third book? You know, you're supposed to be bothering me about it. It's already December. December 4th, we met him. December 8th, he was gone. You know, and uh, there's still a sense of disbelief. And he was really the, in many ways, the kind of engine behind this whole thing. Because he's the guy who said, you know, why are you guys being so timid and shy about this? Let's do it. It's a big way. I'll get you all your permissions that you want. Let's. These are stories that must be told. You know, the army doesn't yeah. own these stories. The country should hear about these stories. So it was, he was very, very... Uh, eager and uh, very encouraging about it. He was the engine behind it, most certainly. And my apologies for the slip. I meant General Rawat, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I, I understood that. Recently. You know, this is almost like putting an editorial view over these stories, right? I was very interested in understanding from you, how do you select the stories that you finally want, you know, of these books, right? I'm assuming yeah. you probably do a lot of research, probably consider more number of stories than you actually write about and then say, okay, these are the four or five that I want to write about. Talk to us a little bit about the process. Yeah, so it's a, yeah, you're right. There, there is a selection process and we do have to leave out certain stories. We sort of create a basket of stories. So first a few rules that we follow, we don't go too long into the past. We uh, The general rule that we follow is it needs to be something post-Cargill War. So something right. in the last 20 years and that's the upper limit. We prefer something in the last, you know, five, six, seven, eight years is like the is the general period that we cover because we believe that the stories that we want to tell, you know, should be sort of appealing to the current generation in terms of the right. circumstances, the technology used, the thing, you know, the communication strategies, etc. Also, the political landscape will be more relatable. Right. It's more relatable, most certainly. And also, the other reason, Karthik, was because we believe that, you know, India's uh, previous conflicts, like 71 war, 65 war, 62 war, 70, the Kargil war itself, the 47 operation, they've been covered in great detail. You know, people have written many, many books about those. It's the individual, you know, non-war operations that have been missed out. And that's where India's most fearless comes in. Because what we're covering is not a war. A war has, you know, India's wars have gotten a great deal of attention. Fabulous books have been written, uh, you know, about our wars. There are official histories about all these wars. You know, the really terrific accounts of all these things, you know, have been written. So the void that we sought to fill with India's most fearless is individual heroism and individual acts of valor and courage, you know, that tend to sort of fall through the cracks because they aren't part of this umbrella of, uh, of a war or a conflict or an operation. And that's why we did that. So we choose operations that are recent. We give it a kind of, you know, sort of a spread of stories. Like if we've got 10 or 12 stories and six of those will be army, two air force, two navy, you know, as many as possible. So there's an even sort of spread between them, even though it doesn't really reflect how it works. But the army obviously will have more operations. The air force sometimes will have operations that don't really involve, you know, offensive attacks. Of course, the second book had the Balakot airstrikes, but usually they'll be, uh, you know, air emergencies or humanitarian relief kind of stories or, uh, you know, mid-air disasters, that kind of thing. And the Navy also is usually with humanitarian relief and disasters and uh, that kind of thing. So that's how we choose our stories. In every case, Karthik, there have been, we choose more stories than we need. And then we kind of narrow it down based on how, not only is there a geographic spread so that, you know, all the stories are not based in Kashmir. We have stories of something in the Kashmir, something in the Arabian Sea, 
something in the northeast something in you know in ladakh that kind of thing so there's a geographical spread there's a even spread between officers and uh, enlisted men soldiers sailors airmen that there's a spread between um, kinds of operations not just anti terror but also humanitarian operations you know daring during uh, technical emergencies you know personal acts of human valor saving lives that kind of thing so there's an even spread not just about killing of terrorists and things like that which tends to be you know what bravery in the military is associated with but we think right. it's much more nuanced than that so those are some of the uh, sort of things we consider when we choose you know i had not thought of as a reader i had not realized that there was there was an even distribution of like this it just yeah. seemed very very seamless in fact the uh, to your point the current one also has a cyclone rescue uh, yeah. uh, aspect to this as well in from the arabian sea i wanted to ask before we go into this this particular book itself what was the reaction from people in different services to these books because i remember when i was in school growing up in chennai the only there was a series called parambir chakra which i absolutely loved right uh, it was very very well made those stories were you know well researched deep and of course you know if someone is winning the parambir chakra obviously the story itself is extraordinary so it was goosebumps every time you know we, we saw it and then after that i felt like the narrative itself got got lost a bit right we, we didn't for a, for a while we didn't know who our heroes were and, and what they did just went as a as a passing newspaper article but now that you have you made this into this the series that is easy for everyone to understand the narrative is is simple enough for everyone to understand it's not jargon heavy how do families and the different forces who i'm sure you meet very often how do they react overwhelmingly positively kartik uh, they've embraced it an impossibly big way because you know like i said it's a uh, most military families i'll tell you about some of the examples of criticism also we faced because that's also important to talk about but overwhelmingly the reactions from military families military personnel serving retired has been finally someone has done this finally someone has uh, decided to tell these stories you know that tend to just sort of sit on the shelves and never get told in any great detail and therefore they kind of lost you know in the pages of history that nobody's ever written about them and this is something i say pretty often and it's still a problem i'm sure you know this as well that in this country either with regard to the military or the writing about it either there is this overt nationalistic you know bharat mata ki jai type exaltation of the military or they're completely ignored there's no nuanced just basic storytelling and in india's most fearless we've sought to kind of strike a balance where we've just told them like you know great adventure stories or action stories because that's what they are you know the emotions that they they evoke are you know those are inherent in the stories because that's the way the stories are they are emotional stories they are provocative stories but we never intended to make them tear jerkers or emotional i mean all of that is part of the story but the overwhelming reaction has been finally someone telling these stories in a in a way that everyone can you know can embrace them understand them follow them and appreciate and admire them because they truly bring out the essence of how normal soldiers are you know it's not making them into these superhumans right. it's relatable they're also people like us you know they've got the same shitty problems that we have uh, you know they've got the same crappy stuff that we've got to deal with and also do these amazing crazy things that's required of them in the line of duty so that's the kind of uh, reality we wanted to capture and i think as far as feedback is concerned we've done that pretty well families you know see have seen i mean we've been overwhelmed by the response from families because they see it as a series that you know is a kind of repository of you know justice done to loved ones you know 
justice done to those families and those people you know rather than just a citation and a medal but you know a book has a kind of infinity about it right more than a press release or a tv show or a report or an article you know a book is forever yeah. and there's something you know timeless about a book it will stay yeah. there forever especially and india's most well has been translated into other languages as well that aspect of it has been uh, has been welcomed with open arms so yeah i hope that answers your question but as far as you, you spoke know, about there, the critique there, uh, yeah, yeah there have been some say you know should we be giving out so many details? details you know is it right to you know this is a sensitive area should we be you know doing this kind of thing and we've always uh, kartik we've been very humble about criticism we believe we're open to criticism and we've always said look these stories are written by us with complete faith and access provided by the military and on our part with our own good faith we show all these stories to the military to vet in case there is something that we've said that you know could be a problem as far as intelligence is concerned because let's face it any story about the military the you know quote unquote enemy is going to be reading them as well the adversaries will be reading them is there anything that you know is mentioned in which can corroborate an old piece of intelligence that they were not sure about you know distances locations which unit is deployed where you know was this person killed in an operation etc you know that kind of thing minute little things that can be picked up so we always were very clear that all of our stories have been you know vetted is a bit of a strong word because on to the credit of the army navy and air force kartik they never changed a thing you know they made suggestions to us they said you know in this maybe don't name this place you know with regard to special forces officers don't reveal their real names because they're still out there in those places they're wanted by these terror groups and stuff so those little little things uh, were suggestions we were never, they were never ordered the best part is the military never ordered us to make these things this, this wow. is great but you know maybe considered isko thoda badal do to theek rahega you know that kind of thing. never saying unless you unless you change this we will not clear it that kind of thing so they were amazing about it they were very open and open hearted about it and because i think they really believed in the benefit of these stories uh, yeah. because uh, you know it's exposing the military to a an enormous audience that has no access to this kind of thing and here you not only get to look at valor but you also get to soak in military life the, you know the emotions that go with everyday military life we've received hundreds hundreds of messages even though it was not even our atten- intention that people are inspired to join the forces because of these books you know yeah. these books are very far from being recruitment material they are not in fact most people who read these books i sometimes feel may not even want to join the military because you are dangerous situations scary situations uh, you know nobody wants to be in those situations but people are like i read this book i want to do this i want to be here i want to be in a position where i can do something like this so those are the kinds of uh, things yeah. the reactions that we normally get yeah you know i can i can probably say to a certain extent i can understand why because like you rightly said it is like an like an adventure and you, you don't only talk about the conflict you like a good film you also talk about what is the ambient a situation right you talk yeah, about a, yeah. it's almost like a day in the life of these people you get to experience this almost first hand you know just just coming to the book this is one of the most powerful openings to a story you know that i've read especially you know from a roman defense perspective and if you don't mind me i would like to just uh, quote a small excerpt and then ask you the question so this is quote even about the loud steady roar of the galvan river he heard the thundering footfalls the sound of over a thousand men reverberating through the darkness amplified by the tunnel effect of a narrow valley flanked by steep rising mountains on both sides peering into the black void beyond patrol point 14 lit only a few meters forward by handheld torches the reality of those sounds dawned on havaldar garamir kumar singh of indian army's 16 bihar infantry battalion he clenched his eyes shut to soak in every vibration when he opened them again he knew that the huge horde of men advancing towards his position was not marching 
they weren't even jogging they were sprinting this is of course the the story of young army medic naik deepak singh but you know it was such a chilling opening to the entire conflict itself and of course you've reported on this probably a few hundred times but for the listeners why is the the galwan conflict unique you know what, what differentiates it and why is the story that means telling you know karthik the fact that it is unique is because it was an open war like situation a battle situation between two armies that have not fired at each other in anger for nearly half a century uh, these are two countries that had very robust border protocols ever since the 62 war the last time you know there was any real violence between the two sides was in the 70s and since then there has been no blood spilled on either side because even though they have a disputed border there was a very strongly followed border tranquility protocol by these two countries because both countries had seen war both are giant asian nations nuclear armed and uh, countries with otherwise close relations and therefore having any kind of border escalation was unthinkable and so the galwan flare up the flashpoint that the violence that took place there was so completely removed from the reality of what the unit the army the command the country expected at that point of time there was no doubt in our minds that it had to be the story we told in our third book because remember that it became a subject of claims counter claims propaganda yeah. how many people died why didn't india do this how could china do this you know why don't we have pictures you know why don't we release pictures you know there was so much anguish in indian minds that it became obvious to our readers and what i love about india's most fearless and this is not a boast but we have like a this community of readers that we've spawned were constantly talking to us they're actually shaping our books before they come out it so you know when the galwan thing happened a few weeks later floods of messages saying you know i hope you're already working on this your third book is not out yet don't even think about bringing out your third book without galwan in it otherwise nobody is going to read it and even before they said that we, we were like obviously we have to tell this story i mean we are we, you know in the first book we had done the uri surgical strikes in the second book we had done balakot so we'd already set the bar really high karthik in terms of telling the biggest operation that has happened in that time you know and so galwan had to be it was unique because it was terrible loss of life you know the entire story had uh, captured the emotions of the country you know we, you saw the coverage and stuff there was like this great nationalistic fervor against china but none of those reasons were the reasons to write it the reasons to write it was because it was a new story it was a plain and simple black and white you know conflict story and we had to tell it we didn't see it as a choice we had to tell the story no matter what but what struck us as something that would have been interesting and this is something that the that was actually the army's uh, idea was why didn't you do it from the perspective of not you can do it from a perspective of one of the frontline soldiers who fought or you can do it from the perspective of a person who was there saving lives so this terrible contrast right you know just blood and killing and hand to hand combat and skulls being smashed and things like that and people falling into frozen rivers and this young guy 30 year old naik deepak singh saving lives you know putting together broken bones and patching up people and fixing wounds and stuff of both sides is such a ironic and painful story and therefore we there was no doubt in our minds that this was a story that needed to be told we didn't see it as an option at all i'm guessing you've already read the story so uh, the fact is that we spoke to a number of soldiers who were part of the fighting naik deepak singh unfortunately is no longer alive he lost his life in that operation but we were speaking to all of the soldiers who were part of that operation and even as far as the chapter is concerned there were so many aspects of it 
that we couldn't put in it because you know there are sensitivities mm. as far as distances and this that and the other are concerned kartik so what we finally put in was intended to answer many of the unanswered questions that people had in their minds we're not supposed to be propaganda busters our job is journalists and writers we chronicle what happened you know we're not sitting here to in order to you know fact check china or something like that but many people said you know your story since it's an authentic account from soldiers attributed to soldiers who were there in that unit on the ground at that point of time it's uh, incredible and the, india is a democratic nation china is a country that has never put out information about its operations yeah. you know who should the world believe as far as this is concerned and you know that's an easy answer that's not a tough one to answer so i think that's why galwan was so important to tell kar another thing shiv that i want to ask you about people like me you know who didn't know much about uh, the strategic importance of this who were reading newspaper reports another reason why you know this also felt very unique was the quote unquote unconventional fighting that happened this is not the typical you know fighter jets and uh, guns sort of a, sort of a battle and this reminded me of another interview i had done sometime back you know rachna bisht was was on the show to talk about her 1971 book which is the charge of the gorkhas that particular battle where decidedly the indian army decided to to not use guns and use only their their kukris and my sense you know as a layman is that uh, combats like these get very very bloody right and uh, very 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 violent Uh, so you spoke about like uh, deepak singh but tell us a little bit about that aspect of this how gruesome was this particular conflict it it was you know see the thing is uh, the galwan bloodshed happened over a period of a few hours and there were you know pockets of fighting that took place karthik it wasn't just one long extended brawl by a huge crowd of soldiers which is it's tempting for people to think of it as just one crazy free for all by hundreds of soldiers that wasn't what it was it was you know groups of soldiers fighting in kind of disparate places in the galwan valley but it was terribly gruesome because it was hand to hand combat you know the rule that all border protocols had been violated but no firearms were used so they were using batons they were using shields rocks were being thrown at each other and this was remember this we're talking about thousands of feet in altitude this was um, late in the night so freezing conditions you've got this gushing river icy cold so it was already a very uh, kind of hostile forbidding terrain that they were fighting in the chinese had come with these riot guard shields and these uh, batons clubs basically which had these blinding flashing lights the strobe effect lights which are designed uh, karthik you know for riot use they've been used in hong kong and other places as well during uh, protests and things like that they're designed to send out these flashes that temporarily stun people in the dark and then you're debilitated for a while and then you can attack them so that's what the chinese had actually come with and there's this description that we have in the book of this huge horde of people with those blinking lights coming down the mountainside towards the indian the indian side was unprepared because uh, they were following protocol you know as they say the you know the indian army is a is an army of uh, you know of it's a moral army it's a, it's an army of honor they have never broken any of these you know war protocols or conflict protocols so there was no question of it but the chinese did and so that this moral immoral aspect is very important to tell viewers yes. readers around the world that sorry to sorry to interrupt your flow but just on this moral aspect the if i'm not wrong the opening story of this this medic is very is actually treating not indian soldier but uh, the chinese soldier oh yeah you know the blacks whites and grays of this story are overwhelming kartik i mean you know it and you know those who i ho- hope will listen to this podcast and then read the book will know it as well that the terrifyingly painful nuance of a you know of a combat medic this young man from the indian soldier side Uh, treating wounded persons 
disregarding which side they're on, whether they're a Chinese officer or an Indian soldier, he's treating them because he's just seeing them as human wounded, injured persons and that he needs to save their lives. And there's this awfully human aspect to it also because, and this is something that we brought out for the first time in the story, uh, Karthik, is that many of the soldiers who were fighting each other that night actually knew each other. The main unit on the Chinese side and the main unit on the Indian side, they had an established communication protocol. They used to talk to each other. They used to walk up to each other, chat with each other. You know, some of the people who died, one of them was an interpreter who was a good friend of the Indian side because they knew him very well. He was the only one who spoke English. He was the guy who the Indian side, you know, knew the most because he was the guy doing all the translations for the commanding officer. And Nayak Deepak Singh tried to save him, saying that he's the only guy who knows English. If this guy dies, we're fighting, we're killing each other. But there will be no possibility of even communicating after that in that darkness. So that was one of the also a horribly sad aspect of this whole thing. That I'm not going to go ahead and say that they were friends and he, you know there was this dosti or anything like that. But think of it as you know we always you know people will tend to think of oh they're the Chinese they're monsters they're you know all monsters. At the end of the day, their soldiers are also deployed in a hostile area, border area, far from their homes. They've got the same shitty problems that our people have. They're also missing home. They're also homesick. They're not some robots. They're also human soldiers. They're also, you know, fighting somebody, some, somebody's, you know, ill-conceived madman's war. You know, they've also got their issues. Of course, they were following orders. They were very professional. They came in in a huge way. All that we can say. But at the end of the day, armies are about generals. They're not about soldiers. It's the soldiers who die fighting. It's the armies that the generals who make all the, you know, the stupid decisions. So the fact that there was this personal connect between some of them is a very sad. I find it a very sorrowful. When I think of it, I feel really, really sad. That, uh, you know, yeah. Haldar Dharmi Singh, the, one of the soldiers said, we knew them. So there was a sense of disbelief. How could these guys, you know, along with this larger outsider force of uh, Chinese uh, military, how could these guys do it? You know, we used to talk to them on a daily basis. Where did things break down? Obviously, these were orders that came from somewhere else. You know, right. you know, screw your friendship. You're not there to make friends with the other side. We're here to, for, to meet our military objectives. But that's a different story. I think that just made it a very ironic, sad kind of element to the whole thing. Right. And it applies not just to Galva and Karthik. It applies everywhere. Everywhere where you've got eyeball-to-eyeball situations. Hmm. Yeah. Soldiers, they're not sitting there and sort of, you know, looking aggressively at each other as you're tempted to yeah. think yeah. in an eyeball-to-eyeball situation. At the end of the day, they're going to have a drink with each other maybe, you know, yeah. and wish yeah. that they didn't have to sit there and, uh, you know, want to kill each other. I mean, the way, the way I, it comes across to me after reading some of these uh, stories of yours is that this is workplace, right? Like, just like we get up and speak to someone at a workplace. Right. Uh, whether it is our organization or somebody else, they have conversations and you develop these relationships. These are workplace relationships and then they can be fairly strong, especially when there is no other civilization for hundreds of kilometers. Uh, from like, for example, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but uh, in Nathula, for instance, in Sikkim, when that border opened up for trade, this was in 2006, I'd been sent there by the Indian Express at that time to cover the opening up of the Nathula Pass in Sikkim. And I remember the relationship between the Indian soldiers and the Chinese soldiers. And there they were like meters from each other, just a few meters away. There was like a border hut. And they used to meet each other every day to exchange food, you know. And I remember the Chinese soldiers were like obsessed with Indian currency. They loved Indian currency. So they'd exchange, give notes, take notes. And I remember them badgering me, do you have 10 rupees, 5 rupees, whatever it is. And uh, they were friends over there. Right. And, right. Uh, you know, in right. part of this 2020 conflict between India and China, there's been violence in Sikkim as well. So it's all gone to hell now. Anyway, so one of the things I couldn't help, uh, you know, going to in my mind as I was reading the book is also that this would make for an extraordinary series 
right? And uh, you you could you could already see it playing out in your mind as as you're reading the book. I'm sure you get asked this question probably a hundred times in a day. But is that something that's in the in in the works? Very much, very much. I'm not allowed to speak about it just yet, but it's in the works. There's going to be an announcement quite soon. I'm going to let that be a little bit of a surprise about who and what form, etc. But yeah, it's going to be on a screen of some kind very soon. Uh, it's right. going to be made, and it's happening. You know, two two previous stories have already been made into web series. Karthik, as you might know, the Uri uh, chapter was yeah. made into Avrod season one. Then there was a chapter from the second book on Captain Pradeep Arya, who was a revenue services officer, tax man turned uh, special forces commando. That became season two of Avrod. There's also a Tamil movie on one of the chapters. that's coming out going to be announced very soon there is a hindi movie being made by manish mundra on uh, major mohit sharma ashok chakra from the second book right. uh, that's going to be out it's being made as we speak it's going to be out sometime next year and the galwan story like i said it's going there's going to be an announcement very soon so yes absolutely there's a huge amount of interest uh from many many quarters production houses filmmakers to convert these into films and series so uh, across right. the board there will be many more announcements this year yeah no not surprised at all you know after after the success of abroad really looking forward to that so we usually end the episode by by asking our guest um, what he or she is watching reading or listening to at this point so i would love to hear you know how you take a break from clearly a very intense work day for you also would love to hear from you what are some of the the stories of uh, of battle and war and defense that you enjoyed either on a book or as a movie or as a series okay starting with the books i'm reading right now i can't remember the last time i read any fiction karthik i literally can't remember the last time i read a book of work right. of fiction i have call it the nature of my work call it just uh, you know not wanting to read fiction anymore or not having the luxury of it anymore because i'm devouring books on history on politics and uh, things like that uh, is what i'm doing right now i'm, I'm reading uh, two books right now one is on uttar pradesh politics and the other is on amit shah it's a biography of amit shah i'm just consuming these books i'm not going into how good those books are but i'm trying to right. get as much information as i can and with you know with all these elections coming up i'm also doing yeah. it as a kind of work thing you know just gain as much info data as possible because it helps in the in that process in terms of the shows that i'm watching you know i'm a pretty scattered kind of uh, watcher of shows but i gravitate towards horror horror is my favorite genre so i tend to uh, watch as many horror films as i possibly can so good bad horrible crappy i generally tend to watch them all i'm looking forward to the crown uh, right now in a very big way because that's one of my favorite shows i love that show so i'm looking forward uh, greatly uh, to the crown at this point of time In terms of military stuff I can tell you that the you know the the World War series on uh, on Netflix the uh, you know the World War in color and the Road to Victory series which are these little documentary snippets about World War 2 absolutely absolutely fabulous in my view I you know if um, if India could do something like that you know have these short 1 hour chapter wise episodes of different wars i'd love to see something like that made in the 1971 war for instance uh, you know the 1971 or the 65 war had these amazing amazing different different uh, battles you know the the battle of basantar or the, the you know the battle of uh, longewala and all the all these different battles uh, sort of televised in a way that is really really evocative and real without all the embellishments that we tend to put into you know war dramas would be so so nice to see and i tend to watch most uh, war movies that are there online as well i know we've not done a we don't have a great lineup of of war films the way hollywood does but uh, anything you you loved on war movies we've attempted in india in india or come close to loving 
Vijeta, in my view, is one of the greatest war films uh, we've made. I loved Vijeta. I think Hakikat on the 1962 war was a, a very evocative film. Not perfect. I mean, none of these films are perfect. But of course, they've got to go with the times. You know, there were many pulls yeah. and pressures as far yeah. as Bollywood yeah. was concerned. I think uh, they were really good. The movie Laksha, which was made uh, yeah. quite a few years ago, the, the Hrithik Roshan one. It's a masala film, sure. But I don't know. That Maybe I was young at that point of time. But that movie really spoke to me. The emotions in that film right. really spoke to me. Uh, and they, it, it still does, actually. I watched it recently once again. And Karthik... I, I, I think Laksha was a, a bit of an underrated film. It was yeah. famous for all the different reasons. It was a good story, etc. And Hrithik and all that and great music. But the sort of theme of a person being transformed, you know, by their time in the military is something that I see every day in the writing of my India's most fearless series, stories. Normal people, you know, discovering completely different versions of themselves after coming into the military and then transforming once again after being thrust into these, you know, do or die, live or die situations, you know, save yourself or save, save someone else situations. So that's not a film that I, I don't know, it's, it, you, can, you can call it a guilty pleasure or whatever, but it's a lovely little film right. that yeah. actually tells people more about the, the little nuances of the military that sort of all out war films don't tend to do. So yeah, I think on the over the top of my head, I would name those three. Yeah. No, I'm not surprised. In fact, I spoke to someone um, from the army many years back yeah. uh, and I asked him the same question. And he said that he, he Lakshya is also his favorite because he felt yeah. that the war scenes are closest to reality. That's the church I thought. I didn't register with me when I was watching it. Then I watched it again. So yeah, yeah. Love that. Yeah. Shiv, yeah. thank you so much to to take time in, in between your, your your very busy schedule. And uh, good luck to the, the series. We really look forward to that. And good luck with everything you're pursuing right now. Karthik, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for your interest. Thank you so much. Yes, Vidan. Thanks, Shiv. That was great. Thanks. Thanks, Karthik. Great meeting you. Yeah. Same here. Speak to you okay. soon. Yeah. Speak to you soon. Bye. I, Thanks, Karthik. I totally, sorry, I have to tell you, I completely forgot to ask you your, your interest in the wild. Oh, okay. uh, but that's probably good because we'll do another episode sometime soon hopefully oh sure sure <laughs> anytime, anytime done done thanks guys bye yes bye if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network you can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcasts.com you can also follow us on our social media we are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to reach out to me, I am the underscore Karthik. That's Karthik with an H on Twitter. And filter underscore coffee. That's coffee with a K on Instagram. <laughs>